You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Kaplan's fired. Kaplan's <laughs> way fired. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and Diamond Dave Kaplan coming to you from Central North Carolina. Kaplan, this may be his last appearance. He just got fired. Oh, man. Um, See, nah, but, golf's getting good. You need me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as, as I watched, I'm, I'm, I always am very critical of sports production and sports television in particular. And I'm trying to figure out with, with really two sports things going on yesterday, on Sunday, why it was that we matched up. Oh, I know. The first game of the Eastern Conference Finals and the players so that everybody at this table and everybody around the country is flipping back and forth. I didn't, nobody saw any commercials as with, goes on things like that. With nothing on so. in the evening. No. Why didn't the basketball Excuse game me. start at 7 Here we go. Excuse me. Oh, yes. hockey. 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 Yeah. You guys forgot. Yeah, call us in a week and a half. Capitals. Yeah. <laughs> when, the, when the vitals start. <laughs> but, hey, the Caps. Yeah. The Caps. Yeah, that's Alex a story. I, I think that everybody had sort of set this up so that if Ovechkin got to the conference finals, it was going to be enough to sort of solidify his place as, you know, having done that, which is kind of interesting to me because when you look across the spectrum, you really can't be one of the all-time greats without having a championship. And, yeah, there are some guys, but they're all on that second tier. You look at Iverson. You look at Carl Malone. Bernard um, King. Ber- Bernard King, <laughs> says. You look at these guys that didn't get a ring. Um, who's the best athlete on the American sports landscape that never got a ring? Dan Marino. Dan Marino. Marino. Without Marino. That. That's, yeah. that, that's who I'd have to go with. When you look at the NHL – Who's next on that list without having held the Stanley Cup, Trent? Because nobody jumps to mind. Anybody that I can think of that's in the Pantheon has got at least one, and most of them multiple. Yeah, a lot of the guys that started with their their franchise, they went to another team and ended up winning. So, I mean, it's really hard to think. I would have to really ponder it. But, I mean, Ovechkin and the Capitals, to their point, I think it was such a relief to get out of the second round and beat the Penguins. Yeah. Even if it was Columbus, it wouldn't have felt so good because it was the Penguins, their nemesis. Well, and the, Penguins, the Penguins have got that pedigree, and you you just feel like if they can get to the conference finals or they can get to the Stanley Cup finals, they know how to do it. They're going to find a way to win. And now what you've got is four teams – Mm, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Ovechkin uh, was cool, though. Ovechkin was awesome. He goes, man, if I knew the third round was this easy, I would have gotten here a long time ago. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I like that. 
I, like I do that. think for me the playoffs are more interesting because the pins. I mean, I like the pins and Sidney Crosby, <laughs> but you just get tired of the same team. It's like seeing the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So it's good to cycle somebody else, especially a brand name like Ovechkin finally getting there. Well, basically the last 10 Stanley Cups, five teams have won him. So this is very rare that we have four teams. Tampa Bay is the only one that's won a Stanley Cup. The other three, they're all vying for the first one. Well, and the two storylines that that the non you know, big time hockey fans are looking at are Ovechkin and they're looking at Las Vegas mm-hmm. being an expansion team. I think America sort of adopted them as their team. Now Ovechkin's sort of wrecking the party because everybody, you know, has in their hearts, oh, we want this guy to get a Stanley Cup at this point. That's gotta be the matchup that the NHL's praying for because Tampa Winnipeg in the Stanley Cup final is a ratings disaster waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. I have I'm interested to see, and you know, we won't know until after the fact, and, and maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves anyway, whether Canada has jumped on board as Winnipeg is our second team right now for this this run that they're making. I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine this being very lucrative in terms of, of ratings if it ends up being Winnipeg-Tampa. Just my feelings. Your thoughts, Trent? Well, no, I agree. I think that you definitely need to draw on the Vegas – Magic and uh, Washington with the Ovechkin. Winnipeg, though, you know, they've always kind of been that redheaded stepchild up there in Canada. Easy, Never bro. really done Easy. anything. I'm sorry. Easy. <laughs> well, Winnipeg actually went on hiatus at one point, didn't they? They, they weren't they even around. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, they moved, and uh, then they came back. So they have an electric atmosphere. I mean, if you want to see a great hockey game, Go to Winnipeg and, and and enjoy that whiteout that they've got there. Them in Nashville, unbelievable. But yeah, we'll see. I think you know a sports writer just like the guy on uh, Sports Illustrated predicted four years ago that this would be the year that Winnipeg would win the Stanley Cup. So well, interesting. You we'll said see. it's an electric atmosphere like Nashville. I think the NHL's got to be a little miffed that Nashville didn't find their way into the conference finals. They have become a team. That really, I don't know, has captured America's, I don't know, attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what that's all about, but there's just I something do. about that city, something about that arena, something about you know that roster. People I, get excited about I the I think Prince. people get geeked up because it's a southern town, and we just do it a little differently than the rest of the world. You know what I mean? So you have Nashville is one – I compare not – they're not the same towns, but the intelligence about hockey is similar to what's going on in Raleigh, except you got the quarterback with the offensive lineman, what, drinking out of fish, drinking beer out of fish's mouths and stuff? Yeah. If, there was, if there was drinking beer out of fish mouths going on in Raleigh, the Hurricanes' attendance would spike. Right. Because <laughs> I know an awful lot of folks here locally that would be up there for some of that. In fact, there's got, it's got to be like a drink special. <laughs> What do you think about doing that at the restaurant? Can we do that at the Steel Pig? Can we, sure. Can we have the catfish beer? Catwin, would you want to do fish. one of those? How do you, how do you, good IPA. Do you think they get special treatment to get those fish in, or do they actually <laughs> no, sneak them in? They still have to sneak them in. Yeah, I'm sure that's real hard to they do. They still have to. Well, I'm sure they don't check them very hard, but. Mr. Mariota, can I check your crotch area no it's like you there's may a not. fish in there it's, it's just like, like a rather large it's just fish. like the octopus in detroit you know 
50 years later, they still have to try to figure out the way to bring that octopus in. So. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Well, it's too early to uh, make a call on either of the conference finals in the NHL. Um, is it too soon to say the sky might be falling in that Cleveland-Boston series? No. All right. The oh, prognosticators, it's not they, too there soon? were an awful lot of people. So it's too soon or not too soon? It's not too soon. It's not too soon. No, it is too soon. Oh, it is too soon. Okay, Okay, yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa. Kaplan shook. He just got his pink slip a little while ago. Yeah, that's right. The sky's not falling. No. So Boston's 11-0 at home. So, I mean, hey, if Cleveland wins tomorrow night, you're having a totally different discussion. Yeah, if they win one game tomorrow night, then they got home court advantage in Cleveland. Okay. So just to just to sort of poke the bear and see how this goes, Brandon, tell me two things that you saw in Game One of the Cleveland Boston series that lead you to believe Cleveland is going to find a way to beat them four times. Oh, well, first of all, they have this guy that's kind of like Thanos on their team that's by the one. name of LeBron James. That's one. And then number two, they have LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, they're. The other thing is, is they will not shoot the ball as bad as they did in game one. And I think LeBron could learn as good as he is. Sometimes, like in the first game with the Indiana Pacers, he was letting the game come to him a little too much. You know, he was trying to get these guys involved. And I just feel like there's some more of that going on. He had a triple-double that first game. No, he did. But but, yeah, but But everyone said he played bad. Exactly. That's my point. And he really did play bad this game. But, you know, if you think LeBron or the rest of that team is going to shoot that badly, that poorly, then you just don't, you don't get out very much. Okay. So can I counter real quick? They did it to Philly. And they all shot that bad the rest of the series. Okay, so Cleveland, unless they adjust their offense and try to drive and get into the paint, they're not going to be able to shoot the three that well. They're going to be a lot better, but they're not going to be able to get back. Here's the here's the thing that I will say, and I'm I'm stunned a little bit that I'm at this point because I thought with the injuries, with Kyrie going down, Hayward obviously haven't already been out. And with all of the youth there in Boston, I thought that this was a nice little run they were making. I didn't think they would get past Milwaukee, and they did in a barn burner of a series. But I really honestly thought that from a talent standpoint, top to bottom, Philly was the team to beat at this point in the East. Boston handled them. Now, that was a hard-fought as far as hard-fought 4-1 series can go. But the fact that they were able to change the game plan and keep up with the adjustments that Philly made, even when they rolled out McConnell out that just was like a curveball out of nowhere, they gave him fits, they still handled that series. If LeBron James finds his way to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, it is the greatest – or excuse me, to the NBA Finals this year. If LeBron gets that Cleveland team to the finals this year, at this point, I will say it is his most impressive performance ever. Even with those original Cleveland teams that he had, I think this would be more impressive given where that Cleveland team is at personnel-wise. 
I fully expect there's going to be at least two games in this series where LeBron goes for nearly 50 points. I just don't know where the rest of the offense is going to come from. I think that you're going to see this this lineup evolve for Cleveland over the next week and a half. But I don't – first of all, I don't know why Call Corver, J.R. Smith got as many minutes as they did. I'm looking there and I'm like, you made all these moves. You went and got these guys. They started to come together as we went down the stretch in the regular season. Now these guys are sitting, and I don't understand what that is. That team was rebuilt – to run, not to play ISO offense in the half court. And that appears to be what their go-to is. It worked against Toronto because Toronto just couldn't match up with them. Well, if you're Cleveland and you're going to have a non-aggressive approach in game ones in general, then just run them to death. Throw your young bucks out there. Run them, like you said earlier, up your defense. If you're going to basically give them game one – have them, you know, pay like a pound of flesh, like run some – not a pound of flesh, but like have them expend some energy rather than, you know, give up. At one point I think they were up by like 35 and just cruising. I understand why they're starting Corver and JR because LeBron wants them to get loose. He wants them to go ahead and get into some type of rhythm, and that's just what he does in game ones for some reason. He tries to – I think he tries too much to get the other players involved. And the, the, the thing with both of those guys, Jarrah Smith and, and Kyle Korver, is when it's all said and done, they're basically one-trick ponies. And I agree with you. They're not going to shoot as badly in every game this series. But then again, Boston can't expect to come out and win any more games in this series by 20-plus points. Here's, the, here's what they need to do. They need to figure out a solution for Al Horford. Because if you put love on them, then love is burning energy then what are you doing with the Nance over there on the bench? I mean, this would be an opportune time to run his young butt out there. So, but who plays best against Al Horford? Tristan Thompson is like Al Horford's kryptonite. Horford's well, I mean, horrible against him. Yeah, I mean, well, that's where I was about to go with it. But what, well, then what happened in game one? You know, Al Horford, I mean, I think you can chalk it up to just a bad game for the Cavs. Well, on the other side, maybe we'll find out what Donald Trump thinks about this matchup. I don't know. You're listening from the cheap seats. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. We're talking about the Boston-Cleveland matchup, and I'm not... I'm not going to get too excited about this. I promise. But Boston, what we saw, we were talking about this during the break. Boston, because of their length and the type of team that they trot out there, can switch on LeBron without creating a mismatch. With the team that they're essentially getting the minutes right now with, you've got Horford, Tatum, Brown, and Marcus Morris – 
who can all rotate onto LeBron and are willing and able to at least create a headache for him, as long as they can keep Rogier from switching onto onto LeBron, you're not going to give him any easy looks. And yes, Cleveland at some point these guys are going to get hot. They're going to hit some shots, but. The other piece of that, too, is that Boston, unlike most teams in the NBA, actually closes down on those three-point attempts, and they're just disruptive enough. That's what you saw continually against Philly, is it wasn't open looks like Philly got in round one, where you know they shot 56% or something in game one. And yes, there were some crazy shots there, but you just had all open look after open look after open look. Cleveland's not going to get those open looks. Now, if Corver and J.R. Smith and whomever else can hit those with a defender in their face, Cleveland's got a crack at this thing. If they're counting on LeBron to come and carry and do all the heavy lifting, get 50 points and 15 assists, I don't know if he physically can do that with as as hard as they're going to make him work on both ends of the floor. Did you guys realize that um, Tyron Lue and Jason Tatum are cousins? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. interesting. It seems like Tyron Lue would be able to share some weaknesses of Jason Tatum. So, like, just say, like, he doesn't like when you touch him on the shoulder, when he's, you know, just like little quirky things. You know who could share some wisdom on Tyron Lue and LeBron in Cleveland, right? Kyrie Irving. See? Brad Stevens and Kyrie had about a two-hour meeting three days ago. Interesting. Getting some insight. Interesting. And I don't the question know. is, which one of those head coaches, if empowered with that kind of knowledge, is more likely to be able to do something? Well, if you, if you had your choice of head coaches, would you rather have Brad Stevens or would you rather have LeBron James? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the head coach funny. of Cleveland. Well, you know, coming into this game, through 50 games, Tyron Lue had the best record of any coach in NBA history tied with Phil Jackson, yeah. which is unreal. And it's hard – not to laugh about that yeah. a little bit. But at the same time, it is as impressive as it sounds. So prove it next year when LeBron is wherever well, he's going to be. Because I, I guarantee you, Tyron Lue will not be coaching the Cavs after they well, get destroyed. We'll, we'll, we'll see think how about, it shakes out. I, think about this, too. If LeBron goes to the Sixers, oh. Brett Brown's <laughs> might as well start packing his bag, son, oh. because he's not going to be there coaching anymore. Um, well, Tyron Lue will, you know. Nah. I, yeah. I don't know how that's going to work out. <laughs> it's it's interesting to see, and the speculation has already uh, already started. I'm wondering with LeBron if we're going to do the summer of LeBron part three, oh, or whether he's had enough three. with this and is like, you know what, I'm just going to chill. Yesterday, a guy with a LeBron jersey was leaving the uh, TD Garden, and one of the fans yelled out, Yo! You better get some Houston gear, bro, because LeBron is out. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, interesting. 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 Now, as we as we look onto the horizon, there is another conference championship going on, which is probably the de facto NBA what? Finals. And as we go into this, my heart wants so badly for Houston to win this, to win this thing, just so that Golden State's little run of dominance is over for a minute. Is there any chance? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Tell me why. One name. Clint Capella. Absolutely. That's the guy. He is. And you know what? He doesn't get enough credit. He doesn't. What all the things that he do, everyone thinks that he just hangs out there, waits for lobs, and dunks the ball. No. 
It's not really. He does so much for that team. I think if Houston's going to beat him, it's going to be because here's, of Cabela. Here's what I here's what I would do if I was Mike D'Antoni. First of all, Capella would play about 43 minutes a game. I would run this kid into the ground because he mitigates the dream, the Draymond Green factor. Mm-hmm. This is a legitimate big that Draymond can't just muscle and punk out. The other thing that I would do, this is it. I would put Capella on Durant all night. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. And if Durant wants to get his, he's going to have to go, move into the hole. He's not just going to be able to shoot over a 6'6", 6'7", defender. That's That would be my my game plan if all else fails. We'd be interested to see. I think we'll know pretty early on. And the psyche, it's funny because people are talking about Chris Paul. Well, Chris Paul's the difference in Houston because Chris Paul is a vet that's been there. What the hell has Chris Paul ever won? <laughs> I mean, is there a franchise in the NBA that underachieved as much as those Clippers teams with Paul Griffin and DeAndre Jordan? I'm, I don't know that it was Paul's fault. I'm, I'm not I've putting it on thought, one person. I'm well, no, just, I'm just saying Blake Griffin has always just been one of these players like, what? I mean, he's been – people are acting like he's top like 10 in the league, and I just think he's probably, what, maybe top 30, 30 maybe? Yeah. That's where I'd have him is somewhere in that top 25, top 30 range. <laughs> you know, when last... you look at that team, though, they were a quote-unquote super team, if you will, before super teams were a thing. You're looking at three guys that are essentially on max deals. That team was together and couldn't get anything done in important times. And I'm not, I'm not saying that it was Chris Paul's problem or Chris Paul's fault. I actually think – in my heart of hearts, it was Doc Rivers. I think Doc Rivers is the most overrated coach in all of American sports. But my point is, is they're saying, well, Chris Paul's there now and he's the you know, he's the veteran presence. He's been here before. No, he hadn't. Man, if they were playing for the Grizzlies, Blake Griffin wouldn't get any run. You know, he can dunk and that's great. By the way, Kaplan, you know what his last college game was against? Who it was against? Uh, the Tar Heels? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know who Tony Gonzalez's last game was against? The Tar Hills. You want me to keep going? The Saints? Wasn't Tony Gonzalez's last game against the Saints? No, he played for Cal. (laughs) Tony Gonzalez played basketball for Cal. No, I know. I was talking about football. Yeah, he he missed tight end. So how long can Capella Capella keep switching off on Curry and hold up on the offensive side since you guys – Look, you don't don't have to switch everything. And that's that's where Houston – that's where they have a problem is that they're one of those defenses. They do switch constantly, all the time. If they employ that, Steve Kerr and his offensive geniusness is going to destroy him. He's going to take them apart. I think it's he's inevitable, the ma- unfortunately. The, uh, I'm, I'm rooting for Golden State, to be honest with you. Are and you I, really? I don't, really? I don't think Houston – I don't think they'll have it. I think Harden can get rattled and is not mentally tough enough. Chris Paul, I don't think, can carry the team. Like I said, I think Capella needs to make a big impact to win. But, man, just like I, in my heart of hearts, want the Celtics to win, do I believe they will? No, until they win the fourth game. But isn't isn't rooting for Golden State, and not even rooting, but, but pulling for them, isn't that almost akin to rooting for the Empire? No, because you know why? Because to me, the empire is LeBron James. Really? So okay. whatever Jedi I can put up against LeBron James to beat him 
is the Jedi I'm back in. And All right, Golden so which State. one of the Warriors is Yoda? That would have to be uh, Curry. Curry, right? yeah. Okay. Who, which Jedi is, is Kevin Durant? <laughs> is he Mace Windu? Kendrick Perkins is uh, Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> <laughs> is he? I don't think Jabba was a Jedi, just in case somebody wants is to Is Draymond Green Chewy? I know he's I, not a Jedi, but... Yeah, I think that's a good like one. Like when LeBron kicks him in the little guy. You guys, you guys excited about the uh, solo movie that's coming out? Nope. Uh, really? I'm trying. Yeah, but you're, shut up, Trent. <laughs> you know, I'm trying, but you know the thing about it is, you you should have J.J. Abrams direct all of these movies. The last Star Wars ones that he did not direct was just lame, dude. It threw everything that Star Wars Star Wars stood for, what made it great. It went into the face of all of that. Luke Skywalker is like suckling some walrus's teat on the side of an island mountain. What the? I don't know if that's the director's fault, is it? No, absolutely. (laughs) It was like clearly, you know, Poe is kind of the new Han Solo. Now he's an idiot. By the way, by the way, Laura Dern's character, you got 800 robots on that ship. Why do you got to stay back? At least they're performing surgeries and stuff. Why do you got to stick on the ship? I'm sure there's one, at least one robot on that huge ship that could stick with it and drive it. You're a freaking nerd, and nobody likes you, and nobody likes you. You just went way into nerd world. Way, <laughs> Dude, way, Lando, way, way, they should have just called this Dude, Lando. Wait a minute. That's, see, that's where this Star Wars is headed, is they've got Childish Gambino tried it out as Lando. Lando is the next franchise that's coming, is. Down the, coming down the By pipe. the way, have you heard Childish Gambino's latest Dude, song drop? have you seen the video? Yes, the video is Kaplan, have you not seen this? I have not seen that. We will show you during the break. If you haven't seen This Is America and that video, it is the most um, disturbing. Um, it's, I don't even awesome. know who Childish Gambino I saw it for the first time. You say it's awesome? I'm just yeah. Awesome is an interesting. About. I'll be interested to get these guys' take on the other side, but that is uh, – that's a, a very noteworthy video, and and we'll 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 take a look at it. Maybe we'll have a discussion after these two guys have seen it because they're like we don't know what you're talking about. But that video is something else. Um, Childish Gambino, otherwise known as Donald Glover. You guys been watching Atlanta? Have you have you seen no. that? You should check that out, Brandon. You should go reset and uh, and and binge watch that. You would was, really really dig it. He was also really good on. Do you ever watch Community College? He was on. He was on there. He was really good. He's a good actor. All right, we'll talk a little bit more, and maybe actually uh, talk about some golf before Diamond Dave bails on us. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Chris Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow, but what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait, communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. 
I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. I do want to dance and I do want to sing. And if I was going to sing, it might be This is America by Childish Gambino. Mm. We introduced Dave Kaplan to uh, that video during the break. And if you haven't seen it, it's uh, it's disturbing. Yes. It's disturbing. A lot of symbolism going on in there. Right. And, uh, yeah, check it out. And I also, you know, on occasion, we kind of plug things that we're watching on Netflix or whatever the case might be. If you haven't watched Atlanta – it's an FX series. Go check it out. That's really, really, really good. There is. Does Housewives of Atlanta count? No. Okay. Good. <laughs> no. And if you if you watch that, that, then mess. you're henpecked because I don't watch it. Do you not? I delete it on the DVR. She gets pretty mm. upset with me. Yeah, you don't want to do that. I'm in. Like, but you don't need that crap. Let's I'm deep women. into American Horror Story. I just started that. Never oh. watched any and you're, of it. And you're in season one. Is that and right? Towards the end of season one, I yeah. just I just found out. The kid was dead for like two or three weeks. <laughs> Season one, If have you watched American Horror Story? Oh, yeah. Oh, but you haven't seen Iron Man. No. Season it just one. gets better. There are only, I think there are seven, maybe eight seasons of American Horror Story. There's, there's two not so good. Well, there's one not so good, and there's just one that's just dumb. But it definitely is worth going through the entire series. Mm-hmm. Really I've been good. told to stop watching when Lady Gaga. No, don't watch same. that season. The Hotel, don't. That's the bad one. Do not watch it. The Witch but one, season three, the I think, witch, wasn't. The Witch See, I've season heard, is the I've, bomb. That's okay, I've heard. Don't, no spoiler alerts. I've heard season two's the best. Number one, second, and the third season's third. See, one to me blew my mind. Yeah. Number two, I really enjoyed. But. The most recent season is really, really, really good, okay. too. Okay, don't. But the hotel with Lady Gaga, they tried too hard. Carnival is the other one that Carnival's like, eh. You want to like it, but it's just hard. But other than those, the rest of them must see TV. And there's the witches, one here in North Carolina. They did. Yes. And that yeah. one's that one's yeah. okay. Yeah. It's all right. But the witches. By the, the way. The, what do they call it? Coven? The Coven. Yes, yeah. Coven Covenant. is the best of the bunch. You're talking about North Carolina, Kaplan, we need to talk some Tiger Woods. But guess who is coming to Pinehurst in June? Uh, Could it be Mike Wingo and Golick? Wingo and Golick. Yeah. I'm going nice. to try to – When? I don't know. 
I don't know. We, we so should try to win the weekend. To play it's, golf. it's the uh, third weekend in June. I want to know if they're going to play. they got to play tobacco. No, Wingo's no. a big-time yeah. golfer, they're right? They're playing uh, Pinehurst number 2, and it's a leadership. I'm not trying to plug their darn thing. Me neither. I don't think he's going to slide up to hey, road, though, while they're here. Wingo, guess what? Me and Chris are going to be playing Tobacco Road tomorrow. Twice. Any of you listeners out there want to come and crack up in a couple of beers and watch my – I'm about to go get the Twist driver. Get it. Are I'm you about to get go three get three the Twist face? He needs something. I accidentally nice. th- you need one I, for the afternoon? My driver slipped out of my hand and went into the pond. He legit threw his driver in the pond. And in if I pond. had had any idea he was going to do it, it would have been on video. But, yeah, we got to uh, – the last hole, it wasn't eighteen because we were playing a scramble, and you know he had broken the he had broken the face of his driver a couple rounds ago, and he it it they it's parted gone. ways. Yeah, sometimes it happens. Liberating. Ways. You know, also talking about golf in North Carolina, Webb Simpson. Webb Simpson played at Raleigh Broughton three years. It's a team he, I used to play against. He won three state. Well, he played for four years. Won three state championships and an individual title in two thousand and four. And isn't so he married the to the second richest, the daughter of the second richest man in Charlotte? Yeah, her name is Dowd. Dowd. Yeah, yeah anybody I mean, you know with you're this pretty name, rich Dowd. You name well, your daughter Dowd. that's my yeah. wife and I were talking about it. We were talking about it the other day, and and we were talking about golf, and and I told her, you know, the South Koreans on the women's side, they've taken over. They just decided right. this is how this is going to go down. On the men's side, America's still the dominant nation on the face of the yeah, planet. Yeah, no doubt. And there are two different classes of people that rise to that level. And some of them are the Patrick Reeds of the world. And then there's others that are guys named Webb. Webb. And Davis. Married to Dowd. And married to people named Dowd. Right. Um, that's just, you know, how it is. But the public school system and the public academies and, and those are producing these these guys that are becoming you know household names, but right. some of them are still very much country club kids, and I think <laughs> yeah. it's fair to say that Webb Simpson and is Raleigh Broughton of all the high schools up in Raleigh, yeah, they all kind of had that country club atmosphere. Broughton was probably yeah the most yeah. Well, when we had played them, they their team was quite aloof. Ah, I, uh, I think we actually beat them once. Nice, so, yeah. nice, nice, nice. So yesterday, leading in. There was a Mother's Day story that was tied in where, you know, Webb Simpson's father just passed. Right. And this was his mom's first Mother's Day without him. When it was it's a touching story. Um and all you needed to see when you and I don't want to make light of this, because I mean, his father just passed and it was mom's first Mother's Day without, and that had to be horrifyingly hard. But you saw the footage of mom's house. Yeah. Where the Raleigh Fire Department came out. Did you see this? Well, apparently Sunday morning, right before the final round started, mom smelled what she thought was an electrical fire, and there were two five-alarm trucks, you know, showed up at the house, and it was nothing. But they posed for a picture with Webb's mom, and the house is ludicrous. They showed pictures of it. It, Yeah. Yeah. North Raleigh, you got to love it. Yeah. Living right. Right. Isn't he a Wake Forest kid? He he graduated from Wake Forest. Uh, He's had... Before yesterday, he had four wins on tour, one of them being a U.S. Open. Pretty cool story. Uh, you know, he was an anchored putter guy. Yes. And uh, so this was this has really been difficult for a lot of the guys, Keegan Bradley, Tim Clark, a lot of these guys to adjust to not being able to anchor that um, putter. And last year at the Players, 
he got a lesson or he got a, a tip from Tim Clark, who was an NC State Wolfpack player, um, South African, former winner of the players. And uh, he said, try this, and his putting has greatly improved. And he did not miss a thing on Friday. Well, he got he a bunch of – He did not miss a putt on Friday. Back when he, he was won crazy. His, when he won his first big tournament, he got a lot of pushback on the belly – the belly putter, right? right? And let's call it a belly putter. Is that what like, the anchored putter is? Yes. Yeah. That yeah. long belly. Yeah. His is still pretty long. Yeah, but he, what he, what they do now is it cannot attach to your core of your body. Why? Does that give it you can a, anchor into an your advantage? I, I don't know. They thought it was – be honest with you, I don't know why they made the rule. But anyway, a lot of these players were doing it, and now they had to figure something else out. Hmm. So he anchors it along his left arm, and they got to set the loft a little higher because it's, it's pressed a little bit. But um, anyway, that tip paid off. And did anybody see the highlights from Friday's round? Yes. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Off the green, on the green. Just throw the putter in his head. And he was playing with Terrell Hatton, who's an English player. And he Terrell Hatton turns to his uh, caddy, Paul uh, Tesori, who's been around on tour forever. Great guy. That's a whole nother backstory. that's pretty cool. But he turns to him and he says, have you ever watched Caddyshack? To Paul Tesori. Of course, everybody's a watch Caddyshack. Heck, yeah. He said, I think Webb's turned to Ty Webb. And it's just, no, 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 no. He's just walking around <laughs> everywhere, just slapping balls in the hole. And, of course, they had a good laugh about it. And, uh, it, I mean, that was true. He made everything. He shot a 63 after dunk and dunked it in the water on 17 for a double bogey. Could have been easily a 61. Took a big lead into the weekend and – Tiger showed up, but he just showed up too late. Well, Tiger, you Ooh, know, I just saw the first picture of Dowd that I've seen. <laughs> yeah, well, no, and, and here's, no, here's no, the thing no, about Dowd is is this is what you missed in that picture that you're looking at Dowd is the nanny holding the kids. No, the no. kids aren't there. That was but Paul Tesori's kid. Oh, uh, with but the see, was it okay? I thought it was. I thought it was. Oh, you Webb's. Mean, if you're talking about on the 18th grade. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah oh, no. that was Paul Tesori's wife. Wife and kids. With, and, Okay. And they have a Down syndrome kid and raise yeah. millions of dollars okay. for kids. But with you this gotta book. you gotta feel good if you're Webb Simpson because oh, you know she's not after your money, right? Like, I mean, no. Nah. And if you and if you end up sucking, who cares? I mean, yeah, you got. Of course, he he's he's borderline Hall of Fame now. I mean, you got a U.S. Open win, five wins. He's going to need to beef that up a little bit. But and a, a players championship. I mean, you, you know, he's going to have conversation about Hall of Fame. Wow, really? Yes. If he can get to seven, eight, nine wins, I mean, look, uh, Freddie Couples. Of course, he won two players yep. and won the Masters. He's Hall of Famer. So I, I think with one major being the U.S. Open, and uh, and the thing about Webb is he's he's a little streaky, and when he gets hot, he doesn't hit it that far. He kind of keeps it in play, and when that putter gets hot. Used to be anchored, he would win. Well, his game is his game is just like to me, just like Jordan Spieth. Spieth. Yeah, you know, because neither one of them physically is going to do anything that nobody else saw it on tour can do. But when that blade gets going, buddy, and yeah. what he what he did on Friday was impressive. And I'm going to tell you, he's lucky, not lucky, because he went out and earned it. But it was a good thing for him that he came in with as big a cushion as he oh, did yeah. on Sunday because he did not play well on the front. Danny Lee had a couple of opportunities to really to push, push him. him. A bit, yeah. And if Tiger had gotten a couple of breaks with some putts that were close and some balls that ran off the green, Tiger really at one point was going to make it interesting. And my thought process as we watched it was I see the Celtics up 28 and I see 
Webb Simpson coming into the day, was he up seven or eight? Up seven. Going up into seven. The and at at one point at the beginning of the second half of the basketball game, I'm thinking Tiger we may Pool be watching four. We may be watching two of the greatest meltdowns right. of all time because at the same time Tiger pulled to four was almost exactly the same time that Cleveland cut that lead in half down to fourteen, and I'm bouncing back and forth. But then things righted themselves for the yeah. the, guy, the folks that were out front. But Webb Simpson. That's all I could think of is that's Jordan Spieth. It's Jordan Spieth. He's a right. guy that has to get streaky. And he has the, the ironic most. thing is their relationship with their caddies is so similar. Yeah. They talk about everything. I mean, it's almost like, come on, just hit the golf ball. Now, Webb, when he gets into it, he fires. He He's committed and he goes. And every time Paul Tesori says, all I ask for you to do is commit. Yep. That's the last thing he says, and that's the trigger for Webb, and he steps up and hits the ball. So, the interesting thing about Jordan is they have that relationship with his caddy as well. They just talk it over and talk it over. But Paul Tesori has played that golf course over 700 times. I think you got to understand the value he did bring to him there. Does, he's, a, he's a local down would there. Would Webb Simpson tell his caddy to go get the ball out of the hole? I don't know. No, probably not. Jordan's a little cockier that way. Okay. But uh, – um, I don't know. It, it was pretty cool. And Tiger, let's talk about this. Tiger is plus three on this comeback since the Hero World Challenge back in the fall. He's plus three on Thursday and Friday rounds. He's minus, after the players, he's minus 22 on the weekends. So, I don't know why that is. See, I think one thing that I think is he he's barely making the cut line. Like right. the cut well, line he made the fell cut into on his the lap. number this weekend. He Actually, he would have missed the cut if both Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth didn't bogey their last yeah. hole. So, so I think about, with uh, Tiger, the pressure's off. He can just go and play, right. and he's not he's not as engaged as he is on Thursday and Friday. So he can kind of Tiger can just do whatever he wants. Tiger's yeah, and you kind of saw a little good. difference on. I didn't see it yesterday. Yesterday, I think he caught a couple bad breaks, but on uh, Saturday. All of a sudden, you kind of saw this look like, oh, you know, and then he finishes out lackluster. Yeah. Still, when he realized he was in it. That could have been a 63 because yeah. with well, 16 coming up. And he's also, he, he made the comment, I didn't, that this score is worse than I played. Like, so in his head, he thinks right. he's getting closer to being there. Well, he said, that, he, uh, he said that for Thursday and Friday, there too. Is, there is no doubt he's closer to being there. The way he hit the driver Saturday and Sunday – is as good as he's hit the driver Sunday. in seven or eight. Yeah, he maybe was a little 10 loose years. at times on Saturday, but Sunday. Yeah, Sunday he was he, piping he striped him, it, yeah. and he's got that. He's got that. Uh, uh, is it a two iron? He hits off the tee. Man, that thing's pretty. Man, and you watch that thing. It just and he pull, turns it, it over. Draw, it's really yeah. something. We'll continue the discussion on the other side. WBCC listeners, hang in there with us. WBLZ, we love you too. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. 
I am a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. If you're listening on WDCC, you got 15 minutes left. We will be at Libations on Wednesday. What date is Wednesday? The 16th. The 16th. Yes, sir. Wednesday, May 16th. If uh, you're a regular listener, you'll know that for the last few weeks we've been teasing a trivia category over there. We'll be doing Avengers trivia. Ooh. Avengers trivia this week. And the following week, we'll be back doing music bingo. We took, we kind of rolled that out for the first time. Yeah, how did that go? Great. That's good? Yeah, a lot of fun. Sounds fun. A lot of fun. We ran a little bit long. I got to tweak the format a little bit so we can get it in in sort of a two-hour window. But we'll be doing music bingo on the 23rd, uh, starting at 6 o'clock. Everything always starts at 6 o'clock on those Wednesdays. And uh, a lot of fun with that. And among the categories will be 80s pop. Ooh. 80s pop. We'll do three categories. So what we did was three separate categories, and we played a block of songs from one category. So you're playing that card. Then move to the next category and play a block, and then move to the third category, play a block, and then go back one, two, three again. And while you're playing three separate category cards, you're playing one master coverall card. Hmm. So it's pretty cool. Can we bet on these games? If you want to. Because you know sure. what? You, you know what's legal in, in the United booking. States now? What's that? You know what's legal in the United States as of right now? Gambling. Sports betting. Yeah, Just sure. got overturned by the uh, Supreme Court. Hey, that yeah, is oh, a game so now it's a and state. that just happened, didn't Literally it? T- yeah, 10 I minutes do, ago. I do oh want to talk about that, but am I smart enough to play that bingo game, though? Yeah. It sounds like a lot. No. Of stuff going on. Are you sure? There was only one person who was not smart enough to do that, and it was Chaz Post. (laughs) And he's making our local decisions. Yeah, right? No. Chaz (laughs) was in there and started to play and was like, oh, yeah, this is hard, and left. But no, there were, I guess, I don't know, 40, 50, about 50 people playing and uh, had a good time. Everybody sort of caught on as we went on as to what was going on. But no, it was cool. cool. Or one of the questions going to be how many how many putts did Ed Snyder have at Sanford Muni the other day that no. one shot what day was that I gotta Sunday? call I gotta give my brother love man so when oh, did you guys I had play forgotten Friday I had forgotten Saturday, we Sunday. play what day did we play we played Wednesday uh, so, yeah, yeah Wednesday. it was Wednesday Wednesday for sure we went out and we played in the TLC home tournament I don't even know where we finished we didn't finish near the top of the leaderboard we could not hit a putt nope and there was one particular putt on number, what would that have been, six? I can't remember. I don't know. It was on the front. It was a forgettable hole. Near the, We started on the back, so it was near the end of the round, and there had been some libations. Um, and we had this putt. First and foremost, let's say I, I do have to give props. 
Ed Snyder was indisputably the MVP of our team, which he normally is. That's yeah. the expectation going out is that Ed's going to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Great golfer. But we had our approach left us – well, we were pin high on the approach. We had cut the corner, chipped up onto the green, and had two putts that were about 10 feet, maybe 12 feet. What would you call it? I'd say feet? close to 12. 12 feet. Both of them about 12 feet. Now, me being the team captain, I came up and I was like, we're going to take this one up here that's that's uphill. And Ed says, no, nah, I like the one up here better. Um, there's not much to it. And Brandon looks and says, dude, there's a ridge right there. And Ed's like, no, 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 this is the better putt. And I, you know, I was the team captain. I'm the head coach. Ed was the offensive coordinator. So I was allowing him to call plays. So we, we get over this putt. And And I take a run at this, and at this point, I was leading the way on the putts. And I run it down. It looks like it's headed in. And then at the last minute, it takes a right turn, and I miss it by two or three inches. And I'm like, wow. And then Sean Powell steps up over it and rolls it, and it goes down. looks like it's going in, and it takes a left turn and misses by a couple inches. Brandon repeats this process. And Ed steps up. He's the anchor man on this putt. Rolls this thing down, looks like it's headed in, and it rolls just past the hole. So we had bracketed this thing, and it was almost like we we called it the Eurostep putt <laughs> because it would come down, and it didn't matter where you were rolling this to. There was this ridge in running down to the hole, and when it got, you couldn't like keep it on the crest of this ridge. It was going to take a right or a left turn. And we we talked about using a mulligan, and Brandon makes the statement. You could take that putt 100 times and you can't hit it. Uh-oh. And Ed said, I wouldn't need 100. I bet I could do it in 10. And Brandon says, cool. Ed Snyder stood over that and hit that thing 14, 15 times. No, we made times. a friendly – speaking of betting – It was we 10 made, was the bet. We made a friendly bet, Little little coinage. Now that gambling's legal, sports betting – Word. We just did it a little early before the, this law got passed. Or got struck down. Anyway, Ed goes, bet. He kind of gets red in the face. Oh, yeah, like, he does. He's like, who are you to even talk about golf to me, okay? He does get I'm that like, way. You can you take that 10 more times, you know. And he misses everyone almost exa- – he tries a couple of different things. This thing will not go in the hole. It could have been – I wish we had just stayed there and put the ball down and the golfers – coming through, I would have made so much money betting them that they couldn't hit this. You probably – the only way to hit it would have probably go at it really hard and just and pray. And the back of the, the hole holds huh. it. it. Something going on there. And, and I wish Kaplan had been out there with us because Kaplan is a guy – he has played this course since he was about three years old. And those greens, he knows them unlike anybody knows any greens I've ever played golf with. It doesn't matter where you're at. He'll be like, oh, this is what's going to happen here. He, It's just built into his head. This was hysterical. But needless to say, nobody hit that putt. And after Ed didn't hit it after 10 plus a couple bonus attempts, me and Sean tried to hit the thing again. We never did hit the putt. 
And the funny thing about it is Ed said, hold up, and moved the ball like six inches to the right and hit it once, and it went right in. Yep. It was the weirdest thing, man. Just something from where that thing was at. Now, See, he, I saw Ed on Saturday. He never mentioned nah, he, any he, of that he, he putting moved thing. On. He moved on. And I'm he not plays so gonna... much golf that he's not like, you know, he's not like fixated on one thing. But one of the best lines I've ever heard is early in our round, um, Brandon – Hit a drive. Ed Snyder outdrove all of us on this particular hole by, I don't know, 30 yards. Right. And Brandon Brandon hit a short drive. And as we're driving down to it, Brandon, it was the most innocent, innocuous comment. And he says, oh, it's a good thing you, you, know, you hit it out there. I might you know, mess with you and tell you I could drive it as far as you can. Is, did, do I have it correct so far? Keep going. I'm kind of trying to remember. And Ed, without even turning oh, yeah. his head, says, if you ever said anything like that, all I would say is, I'll give you a drive and you can throw your golf ball and I'll still outdrive you by 30 yards. And I was like, wow. He was It's a good thing you, to, don't, you weren't talking trash to him because that's a drop mic. And to he say it. he was a little salty is... What would you say? Is that an understatement? He, he got a little salty. salty. And it wasn't – we weren't having a good round. We were we were attacking these pins, and we were just leaving. Instead of an 8-foot putt, it was, a you know, 13 and 14 feet. And we just could not drop any of them. I will say one, other, one last thing, and we'll move off of Sanford Muni, the TLC. <laughs> there was a drive out there that I – there was longest drive. Dude. That it was impossible for somebody to hit this. You're a liar. It was on hole one, right? And it went all it the way one. to the cart to the cart path, right? Yes. Ain't nobody doing that. And the the cart path goes up the left hand side. This was in the middle of the fairway. Yeah, so it's not as if somebody could have hit the cart path and got a little love because I did, and my ball was almost where that ball was in terms of distance from the from the tee box, but I got a lot of cart path love on that and I really had laced that thing. I don't know, man. That that drive Almost, Somebody was hitting off like the the junior tees or something. I don't know what how that was, but that, anyway. yeah, whoever. It, anyway, whoever it was, if it was legit, I want you on my team. From you know how like, the Hurricanes chant shot. "Cheaters never win." That cheater won that day. Speaking Aww. of the Hurricanes, my man Brindamore, your man Brindamore. The whispers coming out of Raleigh right now is that Jeff Skinner may be dealt this off season. I I think it would be a great move. Why? Wait, dude, Jeff Skinner is one of the best 25 players in the NHL. Mm, what do you think about that, Trent? So, uh, what What did you say? He's I said one of the best 25, 25 players in the NHL. Uh, no. He's, in the, he's probably in the top 100. He's probably closer to mm, 70 to I 90 think he's, range. Between, really? Between yeah. 50 and 60, I feel like, is being uh, nice. Pretty generous. Yeah. But – Who's close to as good as Jeff Skinner is for the Carolina Hurricanes? Aho. Oh, Aho and Teravainen actually have a higher ceiling. And no, 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 I'm players. talking about better, better performers. Aho. Okay. No, Aho by far is better than Skinner. Oh yeah, it's not even really close. Okay, what's the what's the? I'm just giving you guys. I'm throwing softballs. Aho is a better Skinner, right? And plus, Skinner was a figure skater before he started playing. Oh yeah, but that's actually helps him. 
It's better. He's good on that. He's good on his feet. The knock against Skinner is that he didn't play a whole lot of defense. Dude, is Aho ever going to be able to play defense? Aho's a little. Oh, dude, Aho's like twenty years old. Uh, The only people are going to be sixty-five pounds. The only people are going to be upset about Skinner being dealt (laughs) are fourteen-year-old girls. Well, but now they have Aho. Said if Aho was dealt. But there's a divide between Skinner and I'm, believe me, I have. Two there's going to be a lot of uh, people with Skinner jerseys with Darlings. All right, jerseys. WBCC oh, yeah. listeners, follow us to the internet. If you're on WBLZ, keep on rolling with us. We'll see you on the other side of the break. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. Diamond Dave Kaplan has left the premises. Um, Robert Brickey wasn't able to make it today. Um, Initially, he was going to be here on time. Then he was going to be late. Then he said, hey... I got more important things to do. But I want to talk about the fact he's he's coaching this new developmental league team. And Kaplan last week suggested that the uh, appropriate site for them to play their home games might be Dorton Arena, which is on the fairgrounds of the uh, North Carolina State Fair. I was there for a college graduation this weekend. That's the worst idea anybody's ever had. <laughs> it was 8,000 degrees inside the building. It was 93 outside, and it was probably 15 degrees hotter than that inside. I completely ruined a dress shirt, mm. and I didn't know when I showed up how come. You know, it was a college graduation. You know, it was commencement, and, and you know, I figured, okay, coat and tie. Anyway, you know, I don't, I don't wear ties, but I did have a sport coat with me. And I rolled up, and there were all these people in shorts and flip-flops. Well, they knew better. Oh, my God. It was so unbelievably hot. And I, from the moment we walked through the building, through the, the doors to the building, I thought, I am way overdressed for this. And everybody else. And there were these blowers that ring the arena, and there were men that were standing there by these blowers with air blowing up their back. And I was like, what are these guys doing? And five minutes later, I knew exactly what they were doing. 
Um, Am I the only one that thinks it would be fun to climb Dorton Arena? I was thinking the same thing the whole time. I, I was like, I'd love to work here and run this place because then I could like climb these windows and close them and do the rest of this stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Just, I'm dope. sure there. It's not physically for me, at least, possible to do it. But it looks like when you're going by it down the road, it feels like I could. I'd like to climb that thing someday. Yeah. I didn't realize it was originally apparently built as a hockey arena. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. Somebody that sounded like they knew what they were talking about told me that. Uh, kind might, of interesting, and I don't wanna, know how that worked. You might um, want to you might want to check your sources on that one. Okay. What if that what, what what have they done there historically? I think they built that place way before we even dreamed about having hockey in North Carolina. But I could be wrong. Oh no, it certainly wasn't for like an NHL type situation. Right. Yeah, no, like for I like mean, it, it probably seats, I don't know, 3 or 4,000 if that. And it actually looks like a place that you could do like uh I don't know, maybe it's big enough to do like barrel racing for horses or something. And that's kind of what I thought it might be. Don't they do like Stuff like monster truck stuff in there. And they could. That's a it's a small venue. I guess they probably could. I've been to, I've been to venues. It would be tight, but yeah, they could do. I could see a monster truck rally going on in there. The issue. Have you ever been to one of those? It's no. Oh God. So I used. I I've been once, and I took my kids back in Mississippi to a monster truck rally years ago, and. I, I did something that I'm not proud of, Uh-oh. but I need to share this with you. So we show up to this monster truck rally, and we went without ear protection. Oh, no. And I had small children with me, and there were no earplugs anywhere. And this is one of the loudest things I've ever been to. And this is from a guy that watches a lot of live music. I go watch anybody. And I thought, I'm going to do serious damage to my children's ears. And they're trying to cover their ears with their hands, you know, from the time we come in with these trucks revving their engines and the sounds just reverberating. And I employed a field expedient method that I've never shared with anybody. Okay. Let's hear about it. Those of you that know me know I'm a smoker. Oh, I think I see where you went Mm -hmm. with this. And I did put cigarette butts <laughs> in my children's ears to protect them. So you made your kids butt heads. Yeah, I did. I broke off, I, and I had three or four of the kids with me. And, uh, yeah, I broke off filters off the cigarettes and stuck the c- cigarette filters in their oh, ear. Oh, I thought they were burning. No, would, that would have uh, been cool, though. Yeah. That would have been really cool. But, no, that was the only thing I could think to do. Uh, in a pinch because we could not find there were none okay. like hanging out there. So there was some truth to some of what you said about Dorton Arena. Yeah. Oh, really? Yep. It wasn't uh. built for hockey, but it did serve their longest tenant was the Raleigh Ice Caps. I'm not I'm not even trying to be funny when I say this. How did they keep ice on the floor in that building? <laughs> For those of you who are unfamiliar and are listening outside of North Carolina, this place is an arena that is like a greenhouse. It's windows all the way around. So it it is a greenhouse. And it was so unbelievably hot. And the only things they seemed to have to combat the heat were a couple of fans that were 
hanging. They're mounted above the speaker system that's suspended in the middle of the arena, and it's for like little house fans. <laughs> I don't. I'm honestly, I have no idea how they possibly could have kept ice in there. So you're talking about how hot you were about the same time. So go back a year and a half when I bought my house. When I had the inspection, the inspector goes, "Bro, right now your AC unit's running basically." It's put together with like Elmer's glue and duct tape. <laughs> he goes, "You might want to get take a look at that." And I'm like, "Oh, you, how much? Well, yeah, get out of here." You know, like I'll, I'm gonna let this roll. Saturday, the hottest day yet this this year. My AC, my AC goes out. Nice. And it's, I pick up the call. By the way, Ricky Yarbrough, Heating and Air, awesome. They're the best in town. But um. Same guy shows up to the door, and he's like, well, well, well. <laughs> what do we have here? Could it be this old? It's like a 25-year-old unit, so I'm playing with house money right now. But he got in there and fixed it, had us up and running on Sunday, on Mother's Day. He had some more Elmer's glue on him. He showed me a picture of what was going on down there with the compressor. I was like, Lord, I wish you hadn't shown me that. <laughs> It looks like it's about to explode. And your next question was, cash or finance? How do you want to handle this? Man, I was I would have paid him in gold bullion. It was so hot Saturday. I would have figured out a way to pay him whatever he wanted. Well, but on, it was, the day, on the day my wife and I got married, it was the hottest day on record in the state of North Carolina. It was 109 degrees the day that we got married. Oof. Yeah. And my wife was at the house getting ready and had a house full because we had family that had come in from all over the place and they were the, the the ladies were all there and they were getting dressed and she called me and I was at the reception hall sort of supervising with the wedding planner and the rest of that. And she tells me, I think there's something going on with the air conditioner and the capacitor had blown on the air conditioner. And um, that was just the start to one of the most horrifyingly hot days of my life. We had to go retake all of our wedding photos. Mm. Because we were just oh a wet, no sweaty mess. Did you, it was bad. Did did you, were you able to capture some of her regret, like as you were taking pictures? No. By that time, the <laughs> buyer's remorse had worn off. But, so uh, no. So a couple of fun facts: Dorton Arena was the first structure in the world to use a cable-supported roof. Interesting. What but, are the other two structures that use cable-supported roofs? Um. I'm I, I think I'm looking at them right now, so I don't want to cheat. I know. I looked it up, too. So. Oh, oh, look at y'all. Y'all are both nerds. Yeah. So what are they? The Astrodome okay. and the Superdome in Louisiana. Well, the Astrodome doesn't exist anymore. Well, it's a church so. now. But oh, is that it was really? The, it's still that intact? That was the second one. Yeah, it's I, a church. Wow. It's the largest church in Houston. It's Is it, uh, what's his name? It's the guy, the famous dude. Yeah, Joel. Joel Olstein or whatever. Really? Yeah. It's his church. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, church. man, that's crazy. It's wow, still there. There's a lot of money in the church business. Mm -hmm. But that's a topic for another time. So we were talking about the Carolina Hurricanes just a little while ago, and you guys kind of you know slapped me down a little bit. I said Jeff Skinner might be a top 25 player in the NHL. You're like, nah, top 100. You guys are completely on board with dealing Skinner if they can get value in return. Hold Do up. I understand that correctly? All you other franchise listening, I think Skinner's like top 10. Do you want them? Do you want them? That's death. Yeah, see? That's thing. We need to talk them up. Yeah. Apparently. 
But the thought process is with Rob Brendamore coming in, he wants a tough lineup. He wants guys that will play both ways. Skinner has never shown a willingness or an inclination to play defense. Uh, so may not fit well. And when you look at that, I, I think it's fair from a layman's perspective to say that the Carolina Hurricanes are a team that have a number of young defensemen in the pipeline. They've got to find offense, particularly in the Indian center. So I guess if you can deal Skinner and bring in – do they need a number one center, number two? What, what, what are we looking for here, Trent? What can they expect and, and what what will fit well? Well, I think their need is a second-line center. Um, so, And I, I think that's about where his value falls. Okay. Well, And whoever it is needs to be a hard worker because Brenda Moore is going to have every single one of his players in the gym almost at all times. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Brendan Moore went to what Michigan State when he played in college, they had Brendan Moore broke into the facilities at Michigan State so many times that they had to come up to, just to work, work out at night. That they had to, I guess, because college rules not be, you know not being able to practice as much, whatever the case may be. They turned the power off at night. They changed the locks at night. They finally had to come up with a complete, completely different locking system to keep them, him out of the facility. And he's always been known. As, I mean, he's just built like a freaking tank. But anyway, my point is, is you got to have the right type of fit come in or it's just not going to work. Well, you have would, a hard my suggestion for, for Carolina, because if you look at, the, if you look at their, their number one line, I, I would say that the answer is, is what I used to do when I played NHL on the Sega Genesis back okay. in the day. And all you have to do is turn the fatigue off and play your number ones the whole game. Okay, I think that's good. I mean, stop with the substitution <laughs> pattern. That's the that's the answer. Wouldn't it, that'll work, won't it? Yeah. What was the old hockey game where you, if you were going straight to the net and you, there was a shot and a pass, but if you shot it straight, I mean, you passed it straight, it would go in the net every time. Um, Wasn't that, that was, the original ice hockey on Nintendo, where it's like USA, you had a fat guy, a skinny guy, a medium guy? I can't remember. I think it, it was, was one of those. It was one of those awesome video game hacks that you know, some of us nerds came up with a long time ago. I mean, that's that was the beauty of those games back in the day is that you had these patterns and the hacks. You on the original Madden, you had some routes that were unstoppable. Um, I'm I'm redoubling my efforts. Okay. And if anybody out there has the answer to my question, please contact us at cheapseatradio at gmail.com. When we started this program a year and a half ago, there were some goals, and we've accomplished some of those. But one of the things we laid down, Brandon, as a non-negotiable was that we were going to have an oh, yeah. NBA Jam yeah. stand-up coin-op in this mm. building, and we don't have one yet. Yeah. So if you know where we can find one, we need desperately to have NBA Jam in here. And I don't even want a console game. I want the stand-up coin-op original here in the building. Somebody out there has got to have a line on one of those. What do you think? You know, when we first started talking about it, I was like, done. And I like went online, and then I saw how much they were. What are we looking at here? You're talking about at least three or four grand. No way. 
All right, you're listening from the Cheap Seas. Hang in there with us. We'll actually get back to talking sports here in a little bit. We promise. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey, Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on. Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, so I think that's a, uh, a poll question we've got to get out there on Facebook. I'll make that happen as soon as we shut it down. But I want to know, not, not, not in terms of console games, I want to know coin-op games, what everybody's favorite sports game ever is. Um, me, you know how I'm sure at some point, because we, we, we all grew up in the same generation, there had to be a game out there that you were the best around at. What was it? Can you think of one right off the top of your head? Because I've got one. Probably it, Galaga. Galaga? Okay. Galaga's one of those iconic games. Trent, was there oh, a, was a, a coin-op that you were like, oh, this is my op? joint, nobody can beat me? Uh, no, I never I, was really I'll take that back. I was never that good at video games. You just games. dropped a lot of quarters in there. Yeah, well, I mean. That's how I was. I could play. There's, you know, <laughs> I remember back in the Mortal Kombat days. Where it broke my spirit because this like ten year old kid walked up and just I could not do anything I couldn't get out of the corner or anything so I was like okay I think this journey's done by the way when you were talking about it the very first stand up NBA jams game that I pulled up was a refurbished refurbished one for about thirty seven hundred ah yeah but you're a, you we can find go, bargains we may have to go console style you may you can find bargains you're a good bargain. Finder, so I, I think that um, I think you would be able to find one. I did read an article when I was scrolling through here. Somewhere they've done, you know, Mario Kart. That's probably one of the better video games. They've done a real live Mario Kart, like where you can actually get in the car nice. somewhere. So anyway, for all you Mario Kart lovers out there, Brett, Jamie, my brother. Okay. So there's that. My game, my stand-up coin-op game was a game called Super Basketball. And Super Basketball was, uh, it was international basketball. Um, and there was a trick to it. And I mastered the trick. Um, and you had to go and play all the teams around the world and get all the way to the gold medal game. And I could run through that and I could beat the game and get through all of the countries in the world and beat it two or three times. Nobody else could even beat it once. Um, and there was a trick to it. So, so I figured the out trick? the trick. The trick was, okay, so the game, you started with a number of seconds on the clock. And you had to score how many ever points to win the game. And by the time you got down to the, it, to the, to the end, to the gold medal type games, you only had like six seconds and you had to score like eight buckets. But every time you scored, they would put a second or two back on the clock. Well, the trick was to just shoot a ridiculous three-pointer and if you shot the three-pointer and that's you like held... Your, that's like your real-life career, shooting yeah, right. ridiculous, impossible well, three-pointer. You, you shoot the three-pointer, and 
if you held the button too long, the rebound would go straight up in the air. Well, the trick was to go get the rebound and hit it as a putback because as long as the ball bounded on the back of the rim, it didn't matter. The clock had run out. And as long as you got the putback to go before the clock ran out, you got more seconds and you got to go down and do the same thing again. And I don't know. I had a knack for being able to do it. Hmm. Super basketball. But my favorite console – or not console. My favorite stand-up coin-op game, NBA Jams. Oh, my God. That was so much fun. But we may I'll, – I'll do some digging and see if I can come up with one for a reasonable amount of money. And if not, we may just have to bring in a, a TV and a, and a console and get that thing up in here. And we may never get any more work done ever. Sure. Let me um, let me ask you a question. Video sure. games, what was the most nerve-wracking video game that you ever played? Like a popular – I'll give you an example. For me, the most stressful video game that I think I've ever played was like Frogger. Because there's so much going on, and I'm like, ah, I freak out. Mine was Did track ever, and field. Track and field. Remember track and field with the buttons? And the the ones that used to make me crazy were the ones that you got the buttons going as fast as you could, but then you had to hit just the right um, jump mm-hmm. and hold it just long enough on the angle. And for you kids that are out there listening, you're like, what are these knuckleheads talking about? But that, and you know, remember track and field, everybody had their little, you know, they had their little devices they would use. You'd use a pen or you'd, some people would use a, a plastic spoon to get those buttons going alternating. Me, I was straight hands, just fingers, and get them going. But yeah, trying to hit the angle at just the right to get the maximum on the uh, long jump and things like that. That used to drive me crazy. Mike Tyson's punch out was pretty nerve wracking. Oh. Yeah, but you once know? you got it, you got it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It took forever. The thing with it, the thing that I didn't like about punch out is that punch out was all about the patterns, and it, so it wasn't realistic. There was a game that came a little while later that was on the Genesis. It was Evander Holyfield's knockout. Mm-hmm. Now that game was more legitimate boxing. It was two dimensional. It was back and forth. Um, but that game used to make me crazy, and the. The thing that sucked about that game is you were either on the right or the left, and it was a completely different set of buttons if you were on the right or on the left, Hmm. and it was like playing two different games. That used to drive me nuts. Well, that was the good thing. I'm about to have a get-off-my-lawn moment. (laughs) Uh You didn't have the internet back, back, back in the day, so you couldn't look up cheat codes and stuff like that. So it was around the neighborhood, word of mouth, this is how you do this. What kid bought that book? That right. was the cheat code or the maps that you could borrow. Yes. But now, like, I got kids. They're like, how do you do this? Hold up. Let me Google it. And then it's done. Like, what's the fun in all that? And I don't I don't know. Just get off my lawn. I don't know, man. I'm still with my kids as it applies to video games. When Philip, who just turned 18, was in his – when he first entered his sports game phase, you know, he would rock out Madden and he'd come out and talk trash. And I'd be like, all right, well, let me come on in there. And I'd destroy him. <laughs> and now he's to the point where I don't get invited. His <laughs> thing right now, and it's funny because he's never been in a pair of skates in his life, is NHL 18. Yeah. And he's played it on whatever system it is. I don't know. It's the 360, Xbox One, whatever he's got in there. And he's playing this, and I can hear him screaming because he's playing online with his friends, and they're playing hockey, and there's four or five of them on the same team, and they're playing as a team, and they're, like, hollering at each other. And it's kind of it's kind of wild because I'm like, wow, he can't relate. And I used to play the hockey games, the the console games. I loved NHL. I thought mm-hmm. it was great, especially when they rolled out and, and when Gretzky was with um, 
the Kings. And that was the first one I was really kind of fixated on. I used to love that little game, and, and, and it was cool. It was a, the reason I was never really good at video games because I played them to have fun, and it becomes too much work to get really good at them. Like, so I got a brother that it doesn't matter what we play. There's always this breaking point where I can hang, and then there's this breaking point where he's gonna beat me. He's gonna start beating me. It doesn't matter what game it is. I've had friends like that. See, I'm obsessive. See, we haven't played video games together. I'm obsessive. And this guy actually, you made the mistake one time of talking trash to me about Madden. And then it just kind of went away because you were like, and now I get it. Because you were like, um, okay. Nah, I'm that player that you would hate to play because I'm like, all right, Hail Mary for the 10th time. It'll work this time. (laughs) Like, I mean... So and I'm, I, I'm and, either and, yeah. Then I've got I'm, to make an ethical decision. Do I really just want to run the score up on this kid and break so his heart? I what I do is it's either hail mary or screen pass, and then you know about after the first three plays, the other person realizes that I'm a moron, and then he they start to run the score up. Gotcha. Mine's always a tight end post. Tight end post. Yeah, put the tight end. See, I don't know how you post. guys can even say that because I, see, that just speaks. Broncos to, always had good tight ends. That, that so. just speaks to your your level of of gaming. I don't think when you want to sports games, Chris. I don't think good. you want to play me because I don't think you want to see that many flea flickers. Oh jeez, <laughs> I wish you would run a flea flicker. But there, you know, with any of these games, I I get obsessive when it comes. And I was talking about the hockey. My point was is that I couldn't really obsess over the hockey game because I can't relate. You know, I understand the game of hockey. I've watched hockey all my life and all the rest of that, but I don't skate. I've never lived any place cold enough to, to kind of get down with that. But when it comes to football and the games that are the worst are the baseball games. The baseball games and and the one that I like the most is the, uh, the show series, the MLB The Show, where you start with a minor league guy and you bring him all the way up and you develop the traits and all the rest of that. That's kind of stuff. Oh, my God. I've wasted so many weeks and months of my life and when Madden went online for the first time, I was that guy. Hmm. I was that guy. And when it was a, a relatively small community, you know, we'd be playing against guys and, and playing against college football players from across the country and stuff like that. When I was in the recruiting business with the Army, we actually made a lot of hay. We were one of the first stations to kind of jump on. We used to host uh, Madden tournaments. And we hooked up with a production company, and we would go out to the fair and these festivals and stuff, and we would set up – and these kids are showing up to play Madden. And like, hey, want to talk about the Army? Um, so it was really effective. Well, but they would always be, who's this old guy? Because I'd be wrecking yeah. shot. And everybody wanted to play with, at the time, the Falcons because they had Michael Vick. Or with the Colts because they had Peyton Manning. And I'd be out there running the Bengals at him, And John Kitten would be lighting that behind up. And you know. then when Palmer came onto the scene... And Carson Palmer and I actually had Bengals teams that had some talent, which had Johnson. Rest it was it was it was tough. You military recruiters, man, you, you take a special sneaky. breed. Oh, brother! It, 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 it reminds and, and me Halo of releases it reminds, and things like that. It reminds me Shoot. of all the little kids that re- recruited Pinocchio in the movie Pinocchio and turned him into a donkey. That's who you, who you guys remind me of. Just equated, by the way, he by just the equated way, military service with being a donkey. By Did the way, that? You, you guys know what I meant. By the way, if you want to see something gangster, go back and watch Pinocchio. That is one of the creepiest movies you will ever watch. I, be, I guarantee you that you haven't watched it in 20, 30 years. Go back and watch that. Yeah. We were YouTube in scenes 
of and one of the most cruel Disney movies is Dumbo. Not just sure. because but I just never if, re- I if, didn't remember Disney movies have gotten so soft. I want to go back to these raw Pinocchio kids smoking cigars, drinking. Come on. Let's I get back to our roots. I thought about Pinocchio in a very long time, but if Dumbo was released today, dude, it'd be boycotted. I mean, the the yeah. animal cruelty and all the rest of it. Oh my god. Yeah, it would it I bet there won't be any Disney re-release of Dumbo coming anytime soon. No. no, I don't know how he... Pinocchio's straight gangster. I'm going to have to check that out. You will go, oh my God. You would re- you will rethink your entire childhood wow. after you watch that movie. Or just YouTube scenes. <laughs> I was like... I was watching some of these scenes with a friend of mine yesterday. They're a straight gangster. I'm not lying. Nice. All right. You got half an hour left. We love you guys. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, guys. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I have to share something with the two of you all, and and neither one of you knows anything about this. So a week ago, we were recapping. Might have been two weeks ago. We were recapping the dodgeball tournament that we hosted here in Sanford. Uh, had a great time with that, raised money for charity. And we, as we recapped it, we talked an awful lot about Sean Powell, friend of the show, being hit in the face multiple times, his glasses exploding, and all the rest of that. Sean's been in studio with us several times. Sean is a very talented actor, musician. He can sing. I don't know if you guys have ever heard him sing. He can sing, sing. But he's a diminutive fella. And I think at one point during the telecast, in fact, I know that at one point during the show, um, we likened his stature to (laughs) Webster and the imp from Game of Thrones. So, by the way, thanks a lot, Trent, because he, for some reason, thought it was me. And he was he walked right up to me and he says, I'm five eight, fool. I'm five eight. You just ruined it. Oh, because I'm here's sorry. what no no no. I didn't know that he'd had that conversation with you. That's funny. He I mean, he was he was ready to get his little tiny frame Wait, was ready I to that go. Whole part, 
that whole park got uh, deleted, no, right? No, it didn't. It didn't. And it was two weeks ago, and I know this because we played the TLC home tournament this past weekend. Sean was our last-minute fourth that we added in. And we got stories on Sean playing golf. Sean's not a bad golfer, but he invariably does something that cracks us up on the course, whether it's climbing into the trees. Um, I saw him nearly die on a golf course. I saw him blow out his arm on a golf course. It's always something with this guy. But I went to go pick him up to take him to the tournament the other day. And as I'm pulling into his driveway, I get a text from Ken Britton, who's another friend of ours. And Ken is laughing, I guess, via text because he heard the part of the show where we're talking about how pretty he is. Oh, and anybody God. knows Ken, oh. Ken is a, Ken's a beautiful man. Very, very attractive. <laughs> so he sends me a text, and he, t- he gives me the time period where that is on the show. Oh, so no. I, I hadn't listened, so I fired up, and I hit it, and it's playing. My phone is in the console of the car playing through the speakers and Sean gets into my car just as this guy is like, yeah, about the size of Webster or the imp. And Sean is like, who are they talking about? Oh, and I was like, uh, you, and seriously, we weren't being mean. He's like, dude, I'm five, eight. And I looked at him and I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're like, you're like, Five eight and stilettos. So maybe. we've got this ongoing thing now, and he was. It's impossible for me to relate to because you know Bricky comes in and Bricky's six four. Yeah, he makes and, everybody look small. But he does, but I don't. When I'm around Bricky, I'm like, oh man, I'm short. No, I'm not short. Bricky's just tall. Right. But I'm six one. You're about what six one? I think I'm shrinking. I think I'm about six. <laughs> Your spine is compressing. Will, when I was in high school, are you? I'm six feet. Six when, foot. When I was in high school, I used to get listed at six three. No lie. <laughs> I did not correct anybody. Now, when I was in, when I was playing when I was in elementary and junior high playing like club basketball, yeah, they used to list me at six one. I was about five nine and a half. So that was cool, but he was so defensive and not like upset. But I, I realized this is like racism or sexism in America where you can't know what it's like until you walk in somebody's shoes because he's he's putting up this thing. And I'm like, dude, it's, it's cool. I don't I, I don't care. It's almost like transgender. You want to relate and you want to live the life of a 510 person. Go ahead. Bro. If that's who you're going to be, because that's how I felt. I was like, I'm not really spun up about how tall you are. We were just having some fun with it. But he's really been out of shape but over dude, the whole thing. How am I going to walk in his shoes? They're seven and a half. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but the best part of it is that we've got this thing going back and forth. And I didn't know that he'd come to you and be like, I'm 5'8, bro. He came right sure to me. And I was like, What are you talking yeah, about? Brandon, and he's like, you, I'm were five really, eight. you were really hard on him, dude. And I said, I said, I figured out what smack. he was saying. I was like, hold up, that's T. Nichols. You need to go back and listen to the tape. And then you realized, oh. oh, the one where T. Nichols was getting into him really strong. That's the part we lost to the show. But the thing is, is we were having a conversation about this, and a girl that we both know walked up and was like, what are you guys talking about? And I explained, well, we were messing with him because he's small on the show. And Sean was, and she said, well, what did you say? And, and Sean was like, I'm 5'8". And she looked at him and said, no, you're not. <laughs> yes. 
So he goes, well, really, I'm five, seven and three quarters, but in shoes. And she said, dude, if I put on stilettos, I can be six foot. And that was kind of the crusher, and he walked away with his head in his hands. Next time. I, I apologize to my good friend Sean Powell. And to anybody out there, it's not a thing where people that are of height look down their nose and they're like, You're less than me because yeah. you're you know, I mean, you're five, whatever, whatever the case might be. It really isn't a thing. But I I recognized in that moment and had never really gotten it before. Yeah. There's one of my kids who through part of their development was a little undersized. Now it's kind of caught up and it's no big deal. And I used to recognize and catch and watch. He would like walk on his tiptoes and things like that. But now it's good. But I never really, for whatever reason, felt what I felt until Sean was put up such as defense. And I was like, man, okay, well, my bad. You know what? I and I felt bad. I don't feel anything. Well, fair enough. In fact, next time he's in here, we're going to back him up to one of these posts and do the little notch measure thing it. and oh, measure yeah. it. No. Hey, man, let me I'm ask you a question. I'm going to get a cardboard cut He just texted me. I can have him come by. He might be able to make it for the end of the show. Let me, <laughs> let me ask you a question, though, for real. Yeah. Since it's topical. Are y'all going sports bet any more or less than you already are like now because nah. of this new? I don't even remember, sports bet now. Remember this is when so, the lo- this is this remember is the so lottery wasn't in North Carolina and you used to like drive across state line, go to Virginia. Wow. It was a thing. Now I'm like, God, these poor souls. They call it a dumb a person's poor tax. It's a poor tax. It's a poor tax. Um, I've heard some people call it the, the dumb person's tax, but I mean, well, I, it, I will give you an even better example. And, and look, I'm not saying that I don't. When Powerball hits around 400, of course, I play it. But I'm not looking at my three dollars or whatever. I don't even know how much a lottery ticket is. We do play if Powerball gets to a certain amount. My wife would be like, "Hey, why don't you run down and get us a, a the ticket?" People, the people I feel the saddest for, and I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt, but. The ones that don't get get to go to the convenience store, get in their car, don't even crank their car up, and they're scratching in the car. Yep. And then they might win a dollar. Oh, let me go back in, and yep. they get another one, and they come back until they. And I'm like, can lose. you please like, go someplace else and do that? Can't there be a kiosk because I just want to get my drink? The thing that gets me is the people that don't even go get in the car, who get them at the counter and want to scratch them all off at the counter while they're standing in line. Dude, you've you've consummated your purchase get the hell out of line it well, happens and, all the time on a weekly the, basis and it's supposed to be for education everybody yeah, knows sure. that bs of course it is and then the commercials are so asinine because you got this woman go talking about the lottery remember it's a game and it's for fun i mean every time that commercial tur- comes on i'm turning the channel because no it's not it's predatory in some ways well, of course it is and what Twenty percent of it is actually going towards education. Yes, and and I'm not. I don't want to turn this into a philosophical debate. But anybody that thinks that this is a, a primarily a education money producer is is out of their minds. The other thing is, if you look statistically at where most of the money that is funding this comes from, it is from the people that can least afford to do that. So we talk about tax rates and we talk about the rest of this stuff, but there are people that play the lottery. As if it is part of their investment portfolio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's their 401k. But here it's the lottery. I lived in Biloxi, Mississippi for years, and you've got the casinos down there, and they are huge for tourism. People come in, and then you've got folks that want to go in and just play the penny slots and drink free liquor and the rest of that. But you have a constituency among your population who go in there on a daily or weekly basis, and they think they have a system 
to beat the doggone machines and that they're going to make money. The I know, system is. I do know a guy that swears by this one system playing slots. Cool. And quick question. The biggest money maker in Vegas last year, what was it? Slots. Slots machine. It's a slots. Guess what? Guess which one? No idea. It's really sad. The nickel slots. Penny, Penny. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt it. I mean, I, I lived in Biloxi, and I would go in, <coughs> and I, I, I hate slot machines. I'd rather punch I myself in the too. face. And especially the way the slot machines now are they're set up, and there's five different lines, and you got the lines going all over the place. I couldn't care less about that. The, the thing with the slot machines, they were adjacent to the Texas Hold'em tables. Mm-hmm. And I would go in there, and I would play Texas Hold'em on occasion, or I'm a blackjack guy. Me too. And I can go in, and and over the course of my life, I'm to the good playing blackjack. There have been nights I've made out real well playing blackjack. But you watch, and you see, and it's the same people all the time, and they're sitting camped out with these buckets of pennies. Um, And there is a system. The system is you put your money in that slot machine, and the house is going to pay back a small fraction in total of what has gone into those machines. Right. So whether it's your friend that's winning, or whether it's me or Trent or some old lady in a visor that's winning – there's only a certain percentage of those slots is going to pay back out. Well, Somebody's going to get it. The sad thing about it, too, first of all, I love the sound of them playing in the background. It, you're not in Vegas until you, you hear the no 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 Gotcha. Know. But if people really knew that these computers, it's actually only a yes or no function. All this stuff spinning around, making noise, it's either yes or no function. Yes. It's either a yes or a no or sometimes it can be no like 20 times until you're broke. <laughs> yes. So I, I 100%. And fact, that's what that's what I when I'm doing things I don't I don't like doing anything that's just random luck. Yeah, now, either. when I look at something like Texas Hold'em or 21, if I'm playing blackjack, do I think there's luck involved? Well, certainly. Are you a single deck guy? Um I prefer to play a single deck, but I'll play a multi deck too. But my thing with it is, and 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 I'm, I wouldn't call myself a card counter, but I do pay attention to what's going on. That's why single deck. I'm, I, you know, I'm a little bit more single deck. It's kind of hard not to go, kind of hard not to say. Well, I think I've seen a few kings. Yeah, you know. I and, mean, and that's the difference. But I, it's I just don't really slow get as up. Ba- it's slow as balls. Yes, because oh, oh, new deck, new deck, new deck, and they're shuffling the same one. I'm like, yeah, it's um. You know, it, it's a thing. And I don't get wrapped up, oh, I'm going to go to that table because it's single deck or, or whatever. If, if there's, you know, a blackjack table, if I'm on a cruise or whatever the case might be, I'll probably play a little bit of blackjack. Hmm. The cruise that I went on last year, year before, I don't even remember what it was. It's been a couple years ago. I made enough to pay for all of our drinks the entire voyage. Can, I give, you, table. can cool. I give you newbies out there, gambling newbies, some advice? If you go on one of these cruises, gamble on the way back to shore. Because there's no worse feeling gambling on the way out and before the ship's even anchored off anywhere and your money's gone. Yeah. The view now, the I, view's no longer pretty when you're you're totally broke. broke. Here's here's what I would say. And this is from somebody who plays a lot of blackjack. Especially if you're playing single deck, do not get wrapped around the axle about what you're doing to the rest of the deck for anybody in there. There's something to it though. If you want to hold on twelve or thirteen, hold. There's something to it, though. Nah. I can't tell you why it is, but a player can put bad mojo. It's like craps. You might have one person hit a craps table, and if they're not doing things the right way, it just throws it throws the chi off of the table. 
I'm not that guy. I don't care, and I get, I've had people to the left of me be upset before. I could not care less. If I feel like the way the deck's going, I'm going to hold on a 12, I'm going to hold. I think you being a single deck guy or more of a single deck guy, that would drive you crazy because they're messing with your odds. It's all about odds. Now, one of these big multi-deck thing that spits out a bunch of cards, maybe not so much. Gotcha. But it does get on my nerves. I will move tables if people start doing stupid stuff. All right. Well, the answer to the answer to the question about uh, will it affect the amount of gambling that's going on, we'll address that on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I got to say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Hey, welcome back to the show. I raised my finger and said I got one thing, so I guess I'm doing the intro this time. Welcome back to the Cheap Seats. We were talking about gambling, though. Blackjack, the worst thing you can do to me as a player dealer is complain about the low denomination of chips that I stack because as soon as you make me chip up, it's going in my pocket. As soon as you make me chip up, and if you really mad, make me mad, I'm like, okay, you can have these if you win this this next hand, and I start pushing them in, I get super aggressive. You want me to play passive. You want me to play to break even. You don't want to push my hand. The biggest time I ever won, never forget, me and uh, Tom Savitsky were out in Vegas. We worked together. We got hammered and we could not lose and that's exactly <laughs> what happened is we were winning so they started you know keeping they were keeping tabs on us and tom is the kind of guy you want to play uh, at your table because dealers can be rattled they do make a lot of mistakes and we just got on a, a heater and i could not lose and that's exactly what happened the dealer started jawing off at me because i was stacking chips and I said, all right, how about these? And I won. And then I did it again. And that's how you win at blackjack. It's not the most fun way to play because that's also also how you lose. But to win at blackjack, you got to pick and choose. You got to do the double downs when you know when you can. That's the that's the way you not, yeah. not that I'm trying to do a tutorial on blackjack. I agree, but my, my I stand by my advice is you'll have people that, that will tell you don't split this, you know, do that. Dude, follow your heart. Look at the odds, and don't worry about whatever else is going on. And there are people, ah, well, you don't split face cards and, unless you're playing in a tournament. But why not? Depends on where the deck's at. Anyway, we were talking about sports book and the new judgment by the Supreme Court. They voted 7-2 to end the federal ban on betting on sports in America. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what I will tell you. I think that the recorded amount of gambling on sports in America is going to be pretty much the same as it's been. And it's a good thing because if you go, if we had a a 
a bookie that was legit here locally, it's like the bail bond industry. You go in and you place a bet, and it's cash transactions that have to be honored and so on and so forth. You're talking about folks' extended lines of credit and things like that. That's where you get into trouble with gambling. The amount of gambling that people are doing online, it's a whole lot more difficult to destroy your life that way. You can do it. Yeah. And it's it's done. But given the internet and given as many outlets as are accessible to people right now, just I there's if you want to gamble, you're gonna be able to gamble. Just making this available to people, I don't think it's going to create a new class of people who get themselves in trouble. And gambling. if you're getting, if you're new to the Hold'em thing, just watch Rounders before you start yeah. getting credit. I love the line: "If you're looking around the table and you can't find the sucker, you're the sucker. You're the sucker." Yeah, and and it's I just don't think with all of the online gambling that's out there that this is going to create an issue. And if it does. It does. That's part of free will. That's part of a capitalist society. It's exactly. part of liberty. Well, and do we really think that Colorado legalized marijuana because it was the right thing to do? No, this is all about money. The government is going to tap into this. This As, is all it's about. They want it to flow through them, so they're well, making sure. the money. Which I sure. mean, and I don't know how many Trent. I don't know if you and Brandon either. I'm sure Brandon has had had a passing knowledge in every town. In every city, in every village in America, somebody's running an illegal book. Oh, yeah. And in a lot of cases, if you're tied into the sports community, you know who's running that book. The problem with whomever is running that book is normally that person is willing to go to extreme measures to recoup their money if you owe them. And once you get into a situation like that, how do you you can't call the authorities because you're operating illegally? It's kind of <laughs> like the drug trade. This puts it all on the up and up, and I think that you're going to see restrictions and you'll see policies in place where you can't extend credit and you can't do this, that, and the other. But in the end, this is opening this up, and you're going to see every state in the union. I don't know the law well enough to know if now that this federal ban is done, what the states what the mechanics of the states legalizing gambling in their state is, but it is coming. I can tell it's you. It's coming fast. <laughs> I can tell you what's going to happen, and it's real close to us. Myrtle Beach will be probably one of the biggest casino houses, sports books, when it all becomes – once they work through all the legalization and stuff like that. I used to work um, selling stuff to the Canadian region – Everybody in Canada already goes to Myrtle Beach. They already got the hotels. They have the ocean. New Jersey, let's let's be honest. I'm sorry to all my New Jersey listeners. It sucks up there. You know what I mean? Chris Christie was the one that was pushing this whole thing. He got the ball rolling. But it sucks up there. Myrtle Beach, I don't really care for it very much. But I've said for years, if legalized gambling is legalized across the states, Myrtle Beach will be like well, the spot on the east And the uh, South Carolina legislature and the governor's office have already shown an inclination to do anything that's pro-business and revenue. Absolutely. And, and to give you some insight, a liquor license in the state of North Carolina when it comes to sell beer, wine, and liquor, $1,800 a year right off the bat. And that doesn't even include the sales tax that's paid, plus the essentially that tax that's imposed on the distributors as well in the wholesale system 
the state of North Carolina and all the other 49 states out there will monetize this in ways that, that just make it very, very lucrative because they don't have any involvement except to put together a regulatory commission of, you know, six people that travel around the state to investigate these books or, or you know, do a casual inspection, you know, once a year, whatever the case might be. This is a revenue source that's coming for the states. That's what biggest, it all comes down to. Biggest losers in Vegas, right? Biggest losers in Vegas. Atlantic City. This may kill Atlantic City. Yeah, because why else? Wilds go. Well, yeah, Vegas Jersey, is one thing. They said New Jersey could be within two weeks that that because they're ready. They're the ones that brought this whole thing mm-hmm. really strong. Um, so they'll be the first one to get it going. Uh, they said a lot of state legislation right now is that they're at recess. They're on break or whatever. So it could be up to a year for other states to fall in line, but. I think they'll all start. If New Jersey's up and running to to combine sports betting with the casinos, I I think that the only reason sports betting and casinos are tied at the hip is because the only place you've been able to do that is Vegas. Yeah. I I don't know that now that you can do that. I don't know that your folks that want to go pay penny slots or play cards are the same people that want to engage in sports betting. I will tell you, the fan duel... And the rest of this? Yeah, fantasy football. They are coming back with a vengeance now. You know, the state of New York basically shut them down. And a couple years ago, DraftKings, FanDuel, all that, it was plastered all over television radio. You're not seeing that a lot. This was in anticipation of this. This opens the door right here. Get some stock. Yeah, no doubt. You Buy gotta, it now because they're about to blow up. Well, DraftKings, they on the West Coast, they, they have restaurants. They have bars and restaurants in downtown LA. I mean, it's pretty crazy industry. And you're right. If you can figure out a, a way to monetize this big movement that's coming, you know, the thing about it with me is I think it personally sucks because just the act of going to Vegas, the 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 fun of that to get to go to Nevada, me walking down the street to gamble seems it just kind of loses all fun i hear you you know what i mean it's just like hold on i'm gonna stop by a food line and then i'm gonna hit the casino and then i'll be home a little bit later i mean to me it just well you can hit a kiosk at food lion and make all your bets right there well and and is it even (laughs) and and here's the here's where the questions are going to come and it's going to go state by state there are some states that are probably going to open it up and you'll it'll be as simple as kiosk betting there will be others that require you to have brick and mortar and it's going to depend on who the forces within that state are that want to dominate the market. If you have an organization that's ready to go drop kiosks in Walmarts all over the place, they're going to be the ones shelling that out in the lobbyists trying to get the attention of the legislators. If you have others that are like, whoa, whoa, whoa we'd rather have these brick and mortar places, that's what's going to drive it. The industry itself is going to drive it. And state by state, it's going to look differently. In South Carolina, I think you're right on. I think they would love to create that as a hub for Myrtle Beach. And now that the seal has been broken on Sportsbook, what other gambling is going to follow? South Carolina wipes the floor of North Carolina, all things business. And every place else in the South, Georgia, Alabama, in the deep South, South Carolina has done it right for a very long time. And if you don't believe it, take a trip to Greenville, South Carolina. I remember 20 years ago when Greenville was, uh, you know, an exit off the highway 
and it's one of the most beautiful metropolitan areas in the in the southeast well, look at, at this point look at florence south carolina like i mean there's a monster dot you know the job company they had their headquarters and you're just going there's nothing all of a sudden there are these huge huge like manufacturing just dis- yeah. distribution companies everywhere and but it's tax because, incentives don't work right well <laughs> taxes you want to gas people uh tax people to death on gas well no, you we, uh, you know this because you travel a lot we, we here in north carolina as we get to the border in south carolina we're running on fumes <laughs> exactly because you're going to save 30 cents a gallon once you cross the border into south carolina tax incentives and when you look at manufacturing every fraction of a penny is a huge deal when it talks when it comes to transportation costs South Carolina's winning. You're going to have a casino, legit casino, in Myrtle Beach in less than two years. <coughs> Maybe Could well sooner. Happen. Could well happen. It's transformed the Mississippi coast down there in the state of Mississippi with the, uh, with the casinos that are down there offshore. And in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, the state came back in, amended the laws, and instead of them being offshore on pontoons now, they're actually inland um, so that they're safer structures and more hurricane-proof. But um, you go down there, they've done an amazing amount for the economy down there. Um, And there isn't, having lived in a community like that, there's not a destitute class of people who have been destroyed by the casinos. Those folks are in there working good jobs in the casinos. And the rest of the tourism that's around there, um, they're engines for the economy. My question is, now that it's Ali Ali Oxen free, we've broken the seal on sports books. Now where do we go with casinos next? whether the value of having those type entities in your community goes down because you don't have to travel to go to them. That's going to be the question. But watch as these states react. And if you're right, if, if Atlantic City can get out there ahead of everybody, maybe it is a resurgence. If not, Atlantic City may be dead. Love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Check us out next week. We are from the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.